How's it going, everyone? We are back with a new episode. The podcast has been on a little bit of a hiatus uh, with Corona, obviously. Um, this new episode, I was able to uh, get a hold of Zach Brown, who is a uh, major league pitcher for the um, Milwaukee Brewers. He's currently in their AAA organization. So I was able to track Zach down, and he was um, not kind enough, gracious enough to uh, give me some of his time, and we discussed uh, really quite a bit of things, uh, all the way back from his journey, uh, being drafted out of high school, going to college, getting drafted again, um, and then up until this point now, we talk about his time in the minors, uh, we discuss the Houston Astros cheating scandal, uh, and then we get into Zach's career now, his development as a professional. I think this is one you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, Zach's a great kid, uh, good head on his shoulders, and a hell of a right arm. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Zach Brown. We now welcome onto the show a man who has made himself, his right arm has made himself a lot of money. Uh, he's a former draft pick in the 2013 amateur draft in the 38th round by the Chicago Cubs, who elected to go to the University of Kentucky, where he was then drafted in the fifth round in the 2016 draft by the Milwaukee Brewers organization whom he is currently with and playing for their AAA affiliate, the San Antonio Missions. Uh, he is from Seymour, Indiana. His name is spelled Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, but uses the K when he calls himself Zach. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Brown. How's it going, yeah, man? Thanks for having me on. It's going well, man. Just trying to figure all this thing out. Okay, so... Uh, I'm just here doing the solo. Uh, usually we have a few guys here. So the whole pod, appreciate you being on. Um, just into it real quick. How are you? How are you holding up? You said you're in Seymour hunkered down right now. How's uh, how's Seymour life treating you? Yeah, so it's been good so far. My the Probably first few days I was home, my dad and I, we built a little uh, plyo wall for me to throw away the balls into. We built the mound. So I've been able to, uh, and we bought a net. So I've been able to just like figure out whatever I need to do throwing wise. And then lifting wise, I mean, you just, you got what you got. You got to be creative. Sure. Uh, starting to use some, some PVC pipes and putting like paint cans and, and bungee cord and some just like w window wiper fluid, like yep. just bungeeing that on there. <laughs> like, Rocky, absolutely. Rocky had his, uh, the meat and the punching bags and you got your, yep. your, uh, gallons of paint, your two by fours. That's awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. Gotta gotta stay ready. Um, I do want to talk about the season um, and how Corona has affected this season um, and, and your training that you're doing now. But I want to start off with a really important question. Um, it's it's one that I've been wanting to know for kind of a long time now because I've been away from baseball. Are fighting necklaces still a thing in baseball? They are not. No. I I mean. I'm sure you had one. I had one. I um, had like seven. Yeah, I think I might have had two or three, honestly. And my parents are always like, why the hell are you making me get this? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they they got it for me and they didn't ask any questions. But now looking back, I'm like, I don't I don't think those things really kept my balance. Just like the little power balance bracelets. Like it, I had it, one of those too. It, must, it, it clearly did something for you. I must have got the defective one. <laughs> dude I, yeah you must have got yours at like a kiosk in a mall i think i got straight from the company yeah i no, i went into hibbits and i went i went in the back and bought one second hand so <laughs> um i uh like i said i want to get into corona in the now but one thing that i do want to talk to you about and this is because you've you had a little bit different of a process um because you were drafted out of high school so i wanted to pick your brain um you know Bro, you're probably the most famous person we've had on this podcast, so I'm going to pick your brain as much as I can. What, Go for it. What was that process like um, in high school coming up? I, I mean, I always remember being an older guy, hearing about this kid, Zach Brown, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward, you're in high school, 
starting as a as a freshman on the on the varsity team and you work your way up what was that process like of getting drafted and that sense of accomplishment you must have felt once that happened but specifically the high school draft yeah so i think it all started culminating like maybe going in my junior year i had a few colleges at that point and then something clicked weight room wise and all that stuff going in and i just started throwing harder i mean i'd always thrown pretty hard for my size but um and then once i committed to uk that kind of like they're gonna look for that like the sec school you're committing to an sec school you're, you're on the map for for the next level beyond that and so junior year i went from colleges watching me pitch here in seymour to to pro teams and it was like wow like you dream of it but like you just don't know what it's going to be like and it was a cool experience i i didn't have an agent at the time because i didn't know like i just didn't think that I, it was a possibility like at uk at the beginning of the whole process was way out of the question like i had no intentions of going there i didn't even think i was good enough and then like i said it just started happening and uh the the pro stuff like those scout those area scouts that you're talking to you have with no agent you have no clue what you're actually getting into and i I don't know if I screwed myself out of money or, or what, but um, I think it was like, would you, the, the first day of the draft obviously is like the first two rounds. So I watched, I knew it wouldn't happen. Um, stupid fly. Uh, <laughs> then the next day is three through 10. And I got a call after like the fifth round from the Cubs uh, area scout. And he was like, would you take X amount of money in the seventh round? And I said, maybe. And just that little bit of doubt is just all they needed to be like, all right, this kid's probably going to go to school, so we can't waste a high pick on him. Right. Um, so I ended up going to play with my travel team that next day when they have 11 through 40, and it's just uh, rapid fire. This is the guy we want. And I just got done pitching. At, and it was like a fifth inning. And there were three of us that had got drafted that day on our team. What team and was What team was that? So we, I played on the Indiana Redbirds my last two years okay. uh, out of Columbus. We had some – I think every kid might have played college baseball. We were a pretty stacked team. And one kid from Greenwood, uh, he went to the Reds, ended up going to college. One kid from Columbus North uh, got drafted by the Orioles, ended up signing. But we all got drafted in the same day. They got drafted before we ever played the game. And then I pitched every half inning. I'd go in the dugout, and I'm looking at my phone. Like, it was just a weird situation, like – this is the now, but like, this is the future. Like I needed, I need to do both at this instance. Like, right. And, um, so they drafted me. Um, I was with my parents, like got all the hugs from my teammates. Uh, and then we went to eat. The scout called me and he was like, Hey, we know we just want to take a flyer on you. Like, we don't know if you're going to sign, but in case you change your mind, this is what we got. Um, so they technically had my rights from that draft from that draft till the signing period ended, if I were to pursue that. And that was just a wild experience. Like I, two days before the deadline, they called me and they were like, what's the lowest you would take? And I told them, I told them a number that eventually down the road would be a really big number. I told them 400,000 and they're like, ah, we, we don't think we can do that. And so I, I think I made the right choice going to college, but on 35 pounds, uh, I, I wasn't, new to pitching but so, I definitely wasn't as as like far on as other guys so was that confirmed Kentucky gave you more than 400,000 <laughs> no I'm, I'm just I messing wish, I, I'm just messing I wish they did yeah that's uh that's a that's a joke from an Indiana fan to a Kentucky player Hey, I was a UK fan growing up, so I had it all the way through. I know how it goes. Yeah, well, but yeah. So you, you were a Kentucky fan growing up, so you got to play for your yeah. your favorite team. Obviously, what was yeah. that like? Yeah, it was wild. So, I it was like during the recruiting process, I went to Louisville on a Tuesday, and I left that that visit, and I told my mom, "I'm gonna go to Louisville." Like, I loved the the facilities. Awesome. The very next day. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like, it was something I'd never seen. It was probably, I think it was my last week of visits. It was that summer. I was like, hey, like, going into your senior year, you want to just have something down for you. Like, I went to the showcase, and then all these schools started coming in, and all the offers started rolling in. And 
and I I'd went through all that all summer. Uh, went to Louisville, left. I was like, I'm gonna go here. Next day was my visit to UK, and it was with my mom and my aunt. My dad was working, and I left there, and I was like, Wow, it's it's not as big of an offer, and it, the facilities aren't as good, but it's pretty damn close to the same offer. And I'm playing SEC baseball, yeah. and this is where I dreamed of going. Like, I, I think I can bet on myself of not signing a pro contract out of high school, play three years, make money through that signing draft or 16, that signing bonus and pay off school like that. So I was like, okay, this is what I wanted. I'm going to do this and go in there to play. Like as an Indiana kid, it was, it was weird just because you have 50% of the roster are Kentucky kids that hate Louisville. And I hated Louisville just as much, but I hated IU even more. And it was like, I never pitched against IU. I pitched against Louisville maybe two or three times. It was just, man, it was like a dream, honestly. Like you're going through and you don't even realize what you're doing. And now looking back, you're like, wow, that was just a step to to where I am now, Yeah. which it also feels like a dream. It's just uh, you grow up as a kid thinking it in the backyard, but you really don't think it's a possibility when you get a real feel for reality. But uh, it all happened, luckily. So – you're at Kentucky for three years, right? Yeah, three years, and you, um, you it because what what's the rule on the MLB? You if you don't sign that first contract, you have to go to college for three years. Yeah, so so there's um, there's been special cases of redshirt freshmen being uh, draft eligible. So if they're 21 or I don't even know a certain age, maybe 21 by the draft. So if they like they're an older kid in their senior class of high school. And then they get hurt, redshirt year, and then your freshman year, you're going to be 21 by the time June 4th or whatever it is comes around. You're eligible for the draft. So, um, as a, for me, I wasn't eligible again until my junior year. But uh, you'll see sophomores get drafted. Um, and then when you go back to – if you decline or don't get drafted your junior year, you go back to school and you have no leverage with those professional teams. Like, they can't say, oh, you're going to go back to school – so we might we have to fish you some more money, but like if you're a senior, you're you're screwed. You have no you have no leverage. Like it just uh, it seemed like the right financial decision for me. Sure. Well, and in financially, it must have because um, you were taken in the fifth round, pick one forty four, one forty one, one forty one. I think yeah, one forty one. I did a little research. Um, <laughs> so. Coming from um, coming from Seymour, um, there was another player that was drafted out of high school, Rick Meyer. Uh, did you yep. did you talk to Rick or throughout all this process? Who who was you know? I'm sure you had some pitching coaches, maybe your um, travel team coach. Yeah, definitely. Um, so whenever I when all this started happening my senior year, like I said, I had no agent. Um, so I never. I've met Rick maybe a handful of times and we've talked baseball, but it's usually just like, Hey, how are you doing? Like just a cordial conversation. And when I was a senior, I, I mean, I was 17, 18. You just really don't know like what's at stake here. And I didn't know questions to ask. Uh, even if it were Rick, uh, I had no idea, but coach Richie was like, he was there for me through it all. I mean, I went over to his house today to throw a bullpen, like, I mean, we're, we're still very close and he was kind of like, whatever you, whatever decision you make, it does, it's whatever you want to do. Like my parents are the same way. They're like, we're going to be, we're going to support you either way. Um, so it was kind of just like trying to learn the system, honestly. Like it was at first I was so far in the dark, like I didn't really know what it was and I didn't really have anyone to ask. And yeah. that maybe I should have pursued an agent at that point. No idea. Um, it was just like, I think this is the right move, so I'm going to do it. And yeah. I don't want to get screwed college-wise. Like, I, I have one semester of classes left. I could have four years of classes left. It's, mm-hmm. And I would have signed for a fourth of what I signed for. Yeah. Um, it, it's just – it was shooting in the dark at that point. It really was. Well, you know – the the talents there and so whatever you did I, it was always going to work out 
but you did it your way, yeah. which is like the admirable thing. So, um, so you get drafted um, to the Milwaukee Brewers, their organization, um, and you've spent time at every level in the minor leagues, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, okay, so you were um, you were in Milwaukee with their single A, uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, which I'm sure has an awesome logo. Um, yep, sick logo, sick logo. <laughs> all of them do. Um, the uh, Carolina Mudcats, the Double A ball, where you Biloxi? I never can pronounce that right. Biloxi. 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 Yeah, Biloxi with the Shuckers, where you just you dominated down there. I saw that was 2018. Yeah. You had some great, great awards, um, pitcher, pitcher awards, All Star awards, um, and then that moved you up to the Triple A in San Antonio uh, with the Missions. Um, so. Given your journey through the the levels, I wanted to kind of get your opinion or your experience your experience um, of the minor league player, right? Maybe because you're on that AAA level, it's a little bit different than when you started. But you hear all the time the the salary some of these guys make. Um, they truly are playing for the love of the game. Travel arrangements you guys might go through. Um, maybe the schedule. Um, what is that experience like climbing the ranks to get to where you are getting ready to knock on that door? Yeah. So, so starting from day zero of, of getting drafted, uh, I think it was a Friday, maybe Saturday. I think it might've been a Saturday. No, it was a Friday. Sorry. that I got drafted. Um, and I had a terrible junior season and I was like, I want to sign. This is the draft. Like I told my parents 400,000. Below that, I'll, I'll think about going back to school. And the slot value of my, my pick was the last one above 400. So it was like, well, I, I said it. I'm going to own up to it. I'm going to sign. So the next day, I signed uh, and sent off a contract. Um, and I was in Helena, Montana with our short season rookie team on Monday. It was like, bang, dude, bang. I flew across the country. Like, and, and I had. 48 hours maybe to get my stuff together. And um, so I was there for two and a half, three weeks, uh, three appearances, didn't pitch well. And then I got pulled into the office after a game. They're like, Hey, you're moving up. <laughs> I was like, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> I that, no it's idea. it's so that did, easy. Yeah. It, it, right. Like, I think I, I had like a 13 ERA after three appearances and they're like, yeah, we, we want you to go uh, to Wisconsin. So I was like, well, damn, if this is how it's going to be, <laughs> but no, I was, came off a crappy junior year. I threw like crap, those, those three outings. And then I get called up and on that plane ride, I was with another guy that got called up at the same time. Um, it was like Helena to Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Appleton, Wisconsin. It was a full day event of just trying to get back to Wisconsin. But I was like, damn it. I need to figure something out because I am not pitching well. And I went there and I threw really well for the rest of the season. Uh, and then I went back to Wisconsin to start 17. And that was when I first, like, you don't really realize your first half season after you get drafted, what pro ball is. I don't think, um, but you're playing every day. Like for me, I was pitching once every five days and that was totally new because you're pitching once every seven in college. Um, and you're pitching for 140 games. Like that's, it's a long season. Uh, Midwest League had a lot of travel by bus. Pretty much every every road series we'd leave in the morning, depending on how long it was. Um, I remember once I got called up in 16 to Wisconsin. We went from I was in Appleton for three days, then we went to Bowling Green right after a game. We played a day game at home, like a 14, 15 hour bus trip down to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then um, I didn't pitch there. And then we went to Dayton. We played. A seven o'clock game in Bowling Green, which is Central Time, so it would have been eight in Dayton. We played like fourteen innings, so we didn't leave there until like one in the morning, midnight, and we got to Dayton at six or seven in the morning, and I had to pitch that night. And I was like, "This is totally different." Yeah. And I ended up pitching well, but that is like the bus rides. I mean, you get in some other leagues where they're a little bit closer in, in proximity, but I mean, the Midwest League's rough. Um, Carolina League, I was there for 
three weeks, four weeks maybe. Uh, I couldn't really get a feel. We, it was pretty close. Uh, all the other trips were. Biloxi got a little rough with some some trips. Like in our division was Jacksonville, which was eight hours away. So that's all bus. And then in AAA, travel was, I think, out of all the off days, we had one true off day. All the others we traveled. Mm-hmm. Um, if we played that night, it was a uh, – so we would play at home on Wednesday. Then we'd have to be in Memphis Thursday and play that night. We'd wake up at 3.30 in the morning, catch a flight from San, San Antonio to Dallas or Houston, and then we'd, we'd catch one over to Memphis and play that night. Um, if I had to start, luckily they took care of us. The starting pitcher could leave the night before. Yeah. Uh, but the position players, I mean, those guys are getting screwed. You're playing every night. <laughs> you're getting to, to the city you're playing in at, at two or three dog ass tired. Yeah. Like they're playing 140 days and mm-hmm. we get, I mean, like I said, we had one true off day. It was just, yeah. it's a wild experience. You definitely have to know how to take care of your body, which was something that I think could have contributed to struggles last year, but no one ever knows. Yeah. Well, um, obviously I don't know what any of that's like. So I wanted to ask, um, question. Oh, I... and I go, sorry to interrupt you going back to salaries. I mean, I was in triple a and I'll, I'll be open about it. Uh, I made 1100 bucks every two weeks just for the five months of the season. And then that's all I got paid. So I made like, 10 grand last year that, that's what a triple a player that's not on the 40 man roster would make 10 to 11 grand maybe right? what, just so you're you're in a little bit different position given your your draft rank and, and the value that the team has placed on you i looked at the roster right you got a couple kids that are you know 20th round plus that are on your team right now you know guys that might be great players but aren't in your position maybe financially who are waiting to get the 40 man what are right. there, and and maybe I'm naive, maybe you are in this boat, but what are some of those other players that are doing, or what are you doing throughout the year? Hell, you probably don't even have time to make any other uh, scratch cash, do you? <laughs> no, yeah. I definitely don't. And then in the off season, I mean, there's guys. Luckily, like you said, like I I got a good chunk of change coming out of the draft to like where I could just concentrate on getting ready for the next season. But there's 75, 80% of the players, they, they need to go get cha- like some change made in the off season so they can train so they can just survive and, and feed themselves. And, and a lot of the guys have families that they have to take care of. It's just a, it's a weird situation that a lot of people don't really realize. Um, especially with the, the lower draft guys that maybe signed for 2,500, like after taxes, that's, thousand bucks maybe like i, I don't right. i don't know what what it is but a thousand bucks that's most likely one month of rent wherever you're living which is uh unfortunate um you just it's it's a grind man yeah. especially for those guys and and like i try to help them as much as i can not necessarily financially but be like like do you need like I, I, if i can like get you a, a dinner or something if like what is at the field wasn't like to their liking or whatever. And sure. maybe like a, a spot, a spot fast food joint, like once a month or something like just to be like, Hey man, I understand. Or like I'm kind of in the middle because you got all the millionaire draft guys, like the, the bonus babies. I feel like I'm not necessarily a bonus baby uh, per se, but I'm not in the, in the bottom portion of the drafted guys. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I relate to both sides. Um, I'm not going to go blow money all the time and I'm, not going to be eating a peanut butter sandwich all the time either. I guess that is the best way to put it. There you go. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, you hear the stories and you, you hear about, um, struggles that players have and, and a lot of times they're really just doing it for the love of the game. And I know when I was in college playing, one of the guys told me when he was playing in the pioneer league, he was having to pay like 50 bucks towards the umpire just so they could play a double header. And I, I was like, right. you know, I, I love baseball too, but you know, I'll call my own bo- balls and strikes before I, <laughs> you know, have to pay an up to play. Like, let's go. Yeah. But 
yeah, those those independent leagues, they get a little sketchy financially. You just never know what's going to come out of it. No, no, I've heard you plenty don't. of stories like that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, sketchy, uh, good, great transition there. You're a pro. Um, the uh, Houston Rockets or Houston Rockets. Here's here's the podcast pro. The Houston Astros and their uh, cheating scandal. Um, I I told you I wanted like a Trevor Bauer level clip. I'll settle for whatever you give me because you're you're being gracious enough to come on here. But as somebody who is, um, as I had said, you, you know, banging at the door for the forty man roster, um, you're hearing about guys that are cheating in very unorthodox ways, um, using right. using electronics, using Bluetooth, iWatches, buzzers, whatever, whatever. I, hell, the story's so convoluted. Yeah. I don't even know what's going on. So yep. you, you give me your kind of your breakdown, maybe not what you heard, but maybe more what you were feeling, sense of the league. Um, I mean, a lot of people were very vocal, but it, it really got really washed under the bridge with everything that's happening now. Spring right. training, people were banging drums and, and, or trash cans at the Astros spring training. Uh, they were taking signs away from from the Astros, and then Corona hits, and now we don't get to berate them anymore. So you tell me, yeah, what what what's yeah, your opinion so, on all this? So my initial takeaway was, like, that's bullshit. Like, like you're gonna look for any competitive advantage as far as like if you're on if guys on second, like stealing signs like that. Like that's fine. You're you're using your own mind. Like we pitchers and catchers should be better about signs. Like okay, I get it. It doesn't matter. But if you're starting to use technology or if if they had buzzers, like who knows? Like, But it seems like the MLB investigation really found that they had someone or some someone doing something, banging a trash can. Like you can hear the audios. Um, and my initial takeaway was like I there's multiple stories there. Guys get called up. For me, like I'm thinking about the young guys. So um, – there's, I think there was a kid with Toronto or a guy with Toronto. I, I don't remember his name. He, he went up and had an awful outing. It was like a third of an inning or an inning, five runs. And then he gets sent back down like right after. And that was his first outing. And that's to this day, his only outing in the big leagues. So you're taking money out of his pocket. You're taking money out of everyone's pocket when it comes down to arbitration and thinking about, okay, this right fielder in Houston, he hit like 290 with, 25 home runs or whatever and then you think you should get paid more than him but you weren't cheating that time like it just the, the financial like like burden it places on the young guys or, or whoever it would have been that went in there and had a terrible outing or or just like the arbitration guys trying to get more money because you play the same position then they're going to compare against a guy that knew what pitch was coming 40 percent of the time when they're at a home park yeah like that that was my initial like, I, I can't get too vocal with it just because I'm not in that position. So like Bauer's just like, yeah, like he's laying it all out there and like, yeah, I'm thinking it, but I can't say that. And and that that's the extent of what I have. But like, it's you just sit and scratch your head. Like what what did you do to other guys' other guys' career because of what you thought was right or what you thought you could do to get an edge against these guys. And that was just, it was just puzzling. Like what, what inside of you makes you want to win that, that, like I want to win just as much as the next guy, but what, what makes you cheat to that extent? Like it just doesn't make much sense to me. For uh, the way that I look at it, you see all these other sports, football, baseball, hockey, there's so much technology integrated into the game that when that aspect is integrated into baseball, it's so abstract. Guys use pine tar, pitchers use pine tar, uh, sawdust, or there's always ways to bend the rules without breaking the rules, I would say. Like, like a man on second, peeking and being able to read the signs. That's different than you striking out, going to the dugout to look at the replay monitor, and seeing the signs that are being given to the, uh, yeah. to, to the, to the pitcher. So, I mean, as a fan, you're almost, I'm a Reds fan. I mean, I, I think we're a long way. <laughs> Although we've made a lot of, we've made a lot of moves. They're, they're, 
They're looking good, man. Yeah. They got a nice roster. Yeah. I got them over 51% wins this year if if they ever play the game. So I think that's a pretty good lock. I, I would think so. Their roster's stacked. Uh, I, I'll never forget spring training last year. Like I was going in there. I gave up, put it on the record, gave up Puig's first home run as a red. Spring training, I did it. That was uh, you? <laughs> that was me. Wow. I mean, obviously, it's spring training. Like, doesn't count, but... I threw him a nice little cement mixer slider, and uh, he hit it, whatever, 450 left, and did a little bat flip shimmy. Like, I didn't see it, but guys were like, yeah, he pumped it pretty bad. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Put put me in the books. Like, I don't care. Hey, you're not not the first. You're not the first. Exactly. He was your first, first. but he's had plenty. (laughs) He's had plenty of them. Yeah. Exactly, um, but their roster is loaded, man. Up the up and down, young guys, old guys, veteran guys, even young guys have been around a while. Like Winker, he's been around for a few years, and I mean Suarez, I'm not sure his age, but I mean those guys are unbelievable. Right, left, they'll get you anyway. Yeah, they they were they've been able to do it. I mean, the only way that they can, you know, financially, you know, they can't be paying New York Yankees or right. Chicago. So they have to do it the only way that they can. And this year, it just seems to be things are kind of falling into place. But um, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Reds and your division rivals. Um, Any any, um, talk of cheating in the minor leagues from a standpoint that was the Houston Astros? Not really. I mean, you got a lot of teams like – They'll have so the big track man thing that gets like spin rates and all that stuff. Guys could, I mean, there's access to that like in the clubhouse on an iPad. Um, I don't know if any teams take it to the dugout. I mean, you very well could. You have a Wi-Fi system set up in the stadium that you're only your your iPad is the only one linked up to the that Wi-Fi. Like I don't know. Like you could. I'm sure there has been. I don't know what organizations would be doing it. I don't know what teams within those organizations are doing it, but I would say like, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure people would do it. I yeah. mean, if, if you, if you can get, get away with it for a couple of years in the big leagues, like what's stopping you in the minor leagues? I mean, there's less television, less people in the stands, less audio. It, who knows? It's, yeah. it, I mean, after the Astros thing came out, you're just losing the integrity of the game and you just gotta, you gotta find, your niche and be like, all right, this is who I am as a person. I'm not going to do that. Um, just play the game. Yeah. So you're just putting a lot of trust in other guys and other teams, other organizations to figure it out. And I think for the most part, the game's played purely. I, I really do, but I'm sure there are teams that might do something. Well, and the Red Sox got penalized for something too. Um, Alex Cora yeah. got fired as their manager and then, I saw somebody was suspended for the 2020 season, which, you know, that's half the season. He was like the head video guy, yeah. Was that oh, – okay, so it wasn't even a player. Um, yeah. it, it just seems like – I don't know. They – had they had just come out and said what it was on face and made the Astros apologize rather than tiptoe around, oh, we're sorry for what everybody thinks happened. It – they were just doing everything to. Um, they were doing everything but admitting the truth from what they were saying. So, I right. think from a fan's perspective, had they come out, had the league had come out and said, either you're going to fall on your own sword or we're going to severely punish you, I think the fans would have been a lot more accepting of what was going on as opposed to like the secrecy that has continued to go on. Right, and I think, like I. I, I want to say I'm out of touch with the fans as far as their perception of what it's going, like what happened and like what's going on. But I would say like, I have a different viewpoint definitely. Um, and I, I could understand the fans reaction of that penalty is not enough, especially like just being around baseball players 24 seven, like there's conversations of, is this penalty enough? And some, some guys think it's fine. Some guys don't, I'd say the majority of guys don't because none of the players get penalized for that. Um, it's just the organization losing draft picks or, or GMs, like guys that don't even throw a ball or hit a bat, like, like hit a ball. I mean, and they're not getting penalized. They're the only ones getting penalized. That, 
I don't know. And, and from a fan's perspective, it's just like, what is really going on behind the scenes and like, how are they getting away with it? How they get away with it for so long? Yeah. I mean, they, they want to, they want a world series with it. Like how big of a factor, like how would that season changed for the Yankees or the Dodgers? Like, you just never know now, and, what, what, and they get to keep that trophy. What was it, Altuve's home run off of uh, Chapman? Yeah, he knew yep. it was he knew that, it was coming. Like the, everybody it, it, said, allegedly, yeah. yeah, he knew the the ball was so. It's like, granted, Jose Altuve's, you know, a great player in and of itself. I don't, I don't understand. That's that yeah. that to me is like, right. if it's a no name. You know, not a no name because you're a big leaguer, but if it's a guy that's not Jose Altuve, that's cheating. It's also like, well, you know, he might just be right. one off. But now that you got yeah. this superstar of the league, it, it's it's a real black eye. Yeah, and and definitely looking at his home road splits in the playoffs that year, that that was an eye opener. Like, I don't know if, like, I'm. You could take it and think that he's knowing what pitch is coming most of the time at home, but it could also go to like visibility on the road. Like you're, you're in an unfamiliar place. All that stuff plays a factor, but with a guy like Aroldis Chapman, I mean, these hitters are really freaking good, but like he's throwing a hundred at the top of the zone with a slider that goes right off of it at 90 into your back leg for righty. Like to be all over a fastball like that, it's just, I, I don't know. You you look at it and you see him turn it around. That's like he didn't hit mm-hmm. it center. He didn't hit it right. He hit it. He turned it around. And those guys have quick hands. Like Altuve, like you said, is he's one of the best players in the league. And whether you're one of the best players in the league or not, if you know what's coming at 100 miles an hour, you're going to hit it and you're going to turn it around because you're prepared for it. Right. And yeah, it's, it, it takes like it takes the it takes the pitcher being the offensive player on the football field and knowing the play and yeah. the batter being the reactor, it sw- it turns out around and, and some could say it even endangers the pitcher or, you know, somebody else knowing that, Hey, a, a cock shots coming or, or a hangers coming. I'm just going to do whatever I know what to do with right. it. I mean, it, right. It, it takes that, that element of spontaneousness out of it because you know what's coming, but absolutely. And, and after stepping in the box in, in double A and triple A against the NL teams, like, I, I think I have like two, I'm like two for 47. Like I'm God awful in there and I strike out all the time. Like, and I just don't understand, like you have a new appreciation for the hitters, but at the same time, I still think pitchers are have the, this a leg above the, the hitters. And I just, for someone to be all over a lot of pitches, like one, one through nine in a lineup, it's a little peculiar and and a lot of guys like word has been going around for a while so i understand that like they think the astros have something like you have to be really really careful as far as your signs like if you're going into houston you gotta have completely different signs like that, that's something that i heard like two years ago i i just don't know like I can't even remember who it's from, but I just don't know like how long it's been happening or what. It's just a totally odd situation, and and for the penalty to come down on him that it was like Lunau and and uh, whatever their manager their manager's name was, it's up in my mind right now. Like to get the to get the brunt of it, and then losing draft picks that just doesn't for me personally that doesn't seem enough because they they weren't the ones that. We're doing it, but I'm pretty sure they're they might have been the ones letting it slide. Like they had to have known at some point, especially the manager who was in the dugout. Like yeah. you gotta hear something. It's so, uh it it's kinda like a college coach, whether it's football or basketball and the player does something and the coach says, Well, I didn't know what was going on. It's like you know what's going right. on, man. It, you're the manager. You yep. know exactly what's going on in the dugout. Um I think that's that's good on that. Um I don't want to get too far where we might get ourselves in trouble. Um, I, uh, I I do want to I want to talk about the here and now, um, just for a little bit. Um, first of all, how are you feeling? You are coming off of three straight 100 inning games um, that you have under your belt, and you've been able to stay healthy the past three years. Um, how's the arm feel? 
Um, how are how how are you you know body wise? Yeah, I'm feeling great. I think um, they do a really good job within the Brewers organization as far as strength and conditioning in the off season. I mean, obviously you're the one doing it. You're the one seeing what's happening every day, and they'll check up on you once a week or whatever it is, and make sure like your body weight's right. But they're not the ones sitting over you during your workouts. So for me to go in and throw 100 plus innings in three straight seasons that for I throw pretty violently and for my body to withstand that it's been like a a testament to to the program they put in and also a testament to what I've done in the off season as far as following that program and also doing some extra stuff so body's feeling good um what do you all all, what are you, are you 93 94 yeah so so last year I I was 90 to 94, maybe a five, six, um, usually throwing a sinker, um, with the new baseballs, I'm kind of getting used to that. Like that could have happened last year, just as far as part of my struggles being the new ball, um, with the, the breaking ball. Um, but I think that was also a little mechanical thing that I needed to figure out. And I think I have this off season and, um, the spring training before I got, or before it, it got shut down, I felt pretty good where I was at and, and looking into the season with a with an open eye instead of a, a closed one after a, a tough year last year. Yeah, it's a it's it's a staple of poker. Don't let your last hand affect your next hand. And and yeah. and in the article that I read that I um, had talked to you about a little bit before we started in the Tribune, um, you said that you fell away from enjoying the daily routine of have by having your eyes set on the future. Uh, maybe like yeah. a little bit of putting the cart before the horse. Um, now, and I and I don't want to necessarily talk about the struggles, but was it was it um, as a fan, as a baseball fan, I'm intrigued because I've gone through slumps before. I've, I've shit, man. I had five strikeouts against Floyd Central. Three were looking. <laughs> I I don't think I went to bed until like nine a.m. the next. Or well, I I probably went to bed at like six, but. It, it was a bad night. So I understand the struggle. Yeah. So I, I want to know as a, as a fan, uh, that need to refocus or find the enjoyment again, was that, yeah. was that because you were exerting yourself and doing too much, maybe menti- mentally or physically, or the opposite where you're doing too little. And, and by that, I mean, like, were you trying to preserve yourself? Um, were you trying to, uh, you know, look ahead and say, you know, I'm gonna save my arm for the postseason. So, right. uh, just because um, because of that article, I, I'm just curious about how uh, how things are going yeah. from last year. Yeah, definitely. After reading the article, that kind of left. Like, I think it was Zach who reached out. Zach Spicer reached out to do the article, and um, I kind of read it, and I was like, it's kind of open ended, like. A lot of guys might have a question, like if, if they follow baseball, like how, do, how does someone think about that? And the best way I could explain it is like I came off the year in 18 where I wasn't thinking about anything on the mound except this pitch. And it was unbelievable. Like I, it was the best pitching I, like day in and day out that I've ever had in my life. It wasn't even like whoever stepped in the box, like, come on, like bring it. And then last year, um, I think I was like going into last year, I went to big league camp as a non-roster guy. And I was like, okay, I'm in the locker room with, with all of these like guys you see on TV. Like it doesn't seem real coming from Seymour. Like I'm, I'm in this locker room with them. So like, I want to be with them and seeing like the treatment they get and seeing like how much they love baseball day in and day out, how much they not saying triple A guys don't, but, um, how much like those guys are freaking good. Like you just want to be around people to bring you up with them. And I think I was looking forward to that experience so much that I put so much pressure on myself, even days I wasn't pitching like the weight room stuff. It didn't change throughout the entire year. Um, the pitching side, it was okay. If one thing goes wrong, I'm putting way too much pressure on myself. And that kind of fell back to my junior year of college. Uh, when the draft was like, I was 
supposed to be a first or second rounder and I just blew up. I had a really bad year, like led the conference in losses, second in the country in losses. Like, I mean, stats are stats at that point, but um, it was just one thing after another. And it was like, okay, now that I've tried so hard mentally and physically to prepare for this start, what about if I just take the gas pedal back a little bit on the mental side and like not not care about what happens like I started to be like okay I don't care what happens I'm just gonna pitch and it would be like the third or fourth inning I've given up three or four runs like a couple walks and I couldn't not care I get that's just it was just like a, a frustrating cycle of trying to do too much mentally or trying not to do enough or trying to to push it back a little bit and so I'm thinking about everything every pitch and then at the end of the season, Coach Richie was like, what did you think about an 18 when you're pitching really well? And I was like, uh, I didn't think about anything. Like, I was just having a good time and playing enjoying ball. baseball. Yeah, just in the backyard playing and doing what I knew how to do. And when those, when those failures started piling up, it was like, okay, what do I need to do to change that and change the view of people in Milwaukee of me? Because they had this, they had this certain view of me after 18 of, okay, this dude's the real deal. And um, in 19, like, what the hell is going on with him? And and I felt that pressure. And that's obviously, like, within you. That's internal pressure. But uh, there's definitely some external pressure to, to be back to where I was. And I don't know if I was really given information to get me back there or if I had sought after it as much as I could have, but mentally it was like, okay, like 75% through the season. I was like, all right, just get me home, which was a really, really, really bad way to view it. But I was like, I'm going out pitching my balls off once every five days and I'm still getting smacked around. Like, what do I need to do to change that? And it was everything I tried didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. And Finally, I came home and I, it was like, I could take a deep breath again. Like I I'd completely lost who I was, which was very frustrating. Like looking back, uh, not only as a pitcher, but as from a mental standpoint of not that I completely broke down and went in depression, but it was like, okay, then I'm not going to be as good as I was last year, but I can at least try. And the stats aren't going to look good. Milwaukee's wondering what's going on. And I'm wondering what's going on, and I can't fix it. So let's just take the pedal off. Um, and the pedal off situation didn't work for me. Like, I'm a full bore guy. I got to go for it. Yeah. And um, I think that's just part of learning. Like, that, now that I look back, it's just a few, a full season of, of learning baseball, learning mental baseball. And that's all you could attribute – or, like, that's all last year contributes to who I am now is – is trying to figure out what I can do to when that happens again, because it's going to happen because it's baseball. You're going to fail all the time. But when that happens again, this is what I, where I need to go instead of where I did. Yeah. And I think that that is the best, like one line. Don't go here. Now you know where to go because you've been through it. There you go. Well, I mean, like I said, you got the talent, man. So, and the goal is to make the show, so you're one level away, which is incredible. Um, it, po- possibly envious, but it it's just something that you know. Being being from the home, my hometown, you know, you follow you, and you, I mean, hell, I saw the numbers. I'm like, what is going on? So it, it, it's yeah. nice to it's nice to peel back the curtain and just, hey, I'm good. I got it somewhat figured out. I just all I have to do is just get on the hill and go throw. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, like, coming home, people are, like, if they know me, they're like, oh, this guy, like, I don't think they would be like, oh, this guy's about to be in the big leagues. Like, I, I've been the same person this whole time, and, and that's what's cool. Like, I feel so comfortable with who I'm around, who I'm around when I'm at home, and it's uh, just like, I'm in the, like, I'm a pretty much a 25-year-old kid. Like, yeah. it, it just, that's what it comes down to, and um, who happens to throw a baseball, like, it doesn't define who I am as a person, but it does control a lot of my life. 
who signed a four hundred thousand dollars signing bonus and lives with his parents. <laughs> yeah, like every yeah. twenty five year yeah. old. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a weird situation, dude. Like, <laughs> hey, no at least really understand. Like, at least you save saving money on that Airbnb. Yeah, absolutely. You just like you can't like my girlfriend lives in D.C. and that's it. Where she lives is probably like I found a workout spot there when I go, but she like she has to work and all that stuff and like where she lives is pretty compact area like i don't know if i could bring two she has room for one car in the in the apartment parking lot like it, it's not somewhere that i could settle down i guess like and we've had this conversation and it's just like you're just floating around like all yeah. season you just you're in san antonio for five months and then you come home and you see your family and then you're like okay i gotta go see my girlfriend and like she's been a rock star through all this like trying to figure out like what she needs to do to, for me um, and what she needs to do for herself. Obviously we've kind of both live in different paths, but trying to make it work, which has been a pretty cool experience. Well, couple of the year, geez. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're trying our best, man. Um, <clears throat> well, speaking of what is going on and the restrictions for you not being able to see your girlfriend, um, the coronavirus obviously halted everything. What are you hearing as far as when baseball could possibly come back? Um, you know, half the time the guys on the field are standing more than six feet apart already. Um, so what are you hearing from a player's perspective, player's perspective of maybe when actual games will start, but how much time you guys will really need as, as professionals to ramp up to get ready for that first start? Yeah, so I can't pinpoint a date. I don't think anybody can because no one really knows like when things start to open up, if the virus will have a second spike, like you just really don't know. Um, but it sounds like we will get when they get a sturdy date, we'll get two to three weeks of at the facility. Maybe we're, we're going to call it like a two to three week workout. Um, it's going to be continued spring training in, in, in a way, but it's going to look a lot different. So we're going to call it a different name, but, um, yeah, there's the rosters are going to look different. Um, where we're playing is going to look a lot different. And, I mean, I personally, I think the best situation is all 30 teams in one spot. I don't know how it's going to work logistically, but I mean, that just seems like it would make the most sense instead of traveling all over the country. That is um, that that what you said right there was my solution for the XFL and the USFL. They shouldn't be having yeah. all these football teams in all these other cities where they have to travel and create fan bases. It's just more economically feasible, and not to get off on a tangent about why the XFL would have survived <laughs> under my plan, but I think you're on to something about having, you know, whether it's in Arizona or somewhere in California or wherever, where you guys can get together and play some ball. Yeah, and I think that not only is it good for us, it's good for the American people, I guess, as a whole, or whoever wants to watch baseball, it gets a little bit of, like, regular life back. Uh, it's just a weird, weird time with no sports. And yeah, I think like the Arizona plan that's been being pushed out right now is, I mean, there's going to be bumps and bruises throughout the whole process to try to figure it out. But that seems like the only feasible way we could get any sort of season in. And I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Nobody does. And then, you take it into a whole new account of salary, service time, roster spots. It just, there's a lot of questions that it's almost like mania. Like you just don't know what's happening. Uh, you just got to play by ear. And, and part of that uh, getting ready part is you're going to have to do a little, like we're talking, I mean, we just don't know. So you can't stay ready for a full season as a pitcher or for a full calendar year as a pitcher. Like you can't be five, like, a starter can't be ready to throw five innings in any given day. Right. Like we have to build up a little bit. So two to three weeks isn't enough time it to is, go from nothing to five innings. It's, so, it's it's very funny to think that that could be a fact. Like, hey, let's just call this one guy and he's good to go. It's like, well, it takes a little bit of time to get me warm up, yeah. man. Yeah, so there's, it, that's where the roster comes into play. Uh, they're going to have to have a few extra pitchers because not every starter is going to be – and that's where, like – 
I was still in big league camp, fortunately, when all this happened. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed, uh, I, I'm going to be out there in some capacity, whether it's out there for like what we call a taxi squad or like you just like you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to be out there hopefully to to be there. God forbid injuries, but everyone knows they happen Poor performance. God forbid that happens. Um, yeah, hopefully I'm out there. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen. And it's, it's the wild, wild west at this point. <laughs> anything goes, anything like if we can figure out something, I know I'm down to play some baseball. It, well, over the course of this conversation, it seems like you've, you've really done a good job of detailing your journey to where you are now. Even, you know, we didn't, we didn't get into your downs. We really didn't get into any ups, but just more or less your, your level headedness about the whole process and being, yeah, man, last year sucked. Uh, face it like a man. I'm going to come out next year and go have some fun. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to hit you with a few questions. I, I call this rapid fire. I've never done okay. this before. So I just have a, I have a few questions. Um, All right. Some will be one word. Some might be a sentence. Some you might go into. Uh, but I think I got maybe 10 questions here. Um, all right. First one. Favorite sport other than baseball? Basketball. Okay. College or NBA? College. Kentucky? Yep. All right. I love watching those guys. <laughs> Favorite uh, restaurant in Seymour? Oh. Mikasa, a little Mexican joint. I, a, I love I love the Mexican joints. That's pretty solid. Um, longest bus ride either uh, that you can remember, either your college or professional career. You mentioned one earlier that was like 15 hours. Yeah, yeah. It was Appleton all the way, cut through Illinois, all the way down Indiana from Gary uh, through the, to the middle of Kentucky. So... Um, we had one in college that ended up being maybe 16. I forget where we were going, but, um, it was snowing on the way. It was like one of those first early two weekers where you just try to find somewhere to play on a beach somewhere like on the coast or like out West. And we were either going to Virginia beach or, or, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, one of the two. And, uh, a semi trailer, a jackknife. So we, it turned a, a long bus ride into an even longer one. Oh. Uh, so it, that's probably the long, like 14 to 16, I'd say that one was. Oh, I'm sure that was, I'm sure coach was happy about that. <laughs> yep. Um, favorite ballpark you've ever pitched in? Uh, the new Las Vegas one. Or wait, I didn't pitch there. No, that's my favorite ballpark not to pitch in. Um, the Las Vegas and AAA. Um, I might have to say, LSU or Arkansas or Ole Miss. I can't pick one. All okay. those have fans that are freaking crazy. SEC country. Um, yeah. Do you have any codes to MLB The Show that you can give me? Negative. Okay. I don't even have the new show, and I need to get it because I'm on it. I, I figured if you're on it, you at least get a code or two. Um, <laughs> no, I, I have a PS4 just in case you come by some. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Steroids in baseball. Wrong. Wrong? Even if you can Wrong. use them? Even if I could use them, I don't think I would. Okay, I like but that. If, if, if it's open to everybody, whatever. I'm, I'm going to play. stay in my lane. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Um, best part about being, um, on the road, like a road game. What's the best part about being on a road game? Finding breakfast joints. I love like, or I want to say breakfast. I'd say brunch. Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty late riser as most of us are, but, um, I, I love just trying to find some good breakfast spots and just taking like a mile walk or a 10 minute Uber or something. Yeah. Start the day. Okay. I, I love doing that. The worst part about road games? Getting there. <laughs> I, uh, either, I mean, the flights are fine, but the bus trips, they, they can add up. 
that's probably the worst part. I love experiencing new ballparks, though. Okay. Um, favorite movie? Dude, so I watched uh, Uncut Gems lately. That's a pretty good movie. That's recency bias. Yeah, I was going to – I haven't seen it yet, so I can't agree with you, but I did hear Adam Sandler was very good. Yeah, it, it was, it's a very loud movie. There's a lot of yelling going on the whole time. Good movie, though. Um, favorite movie of all time. Uh, I do like Will Ferrell. I like comedy. If I'm going to have – like, Will Ferrell's probably my favorite actor, so if I pick his favorite movie – Semi or my favorite movie is Semi Pro. Okay, I like the logic. Uh, favorite yep. t- favorite TV show? Peaky Blinders. I got that Love in the it. queue. Haven't seen it yet. Um, let's see here. One more. Favorite hobby away from baseball? Even though I'm god awful, golf. I, I love golfing. Well, of course, you're a you're you're a fucking MLB pitcher. All you do, all you guys yeah. do is golf. You're probably out there with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady too, because that's all quarterbacks <laughs> do is play golf. No, I just shot my best round ever, like last week, and it was a ninety. That's the best one I've ever had. That's, so. that's not bad. I'm not any, I'm not any good, but uh, I like going out there, having a few drinks, and just hanging out with the guys. Yeah. Uh, and. I like when I first started, I just got super pissed off about bad shots. And now I'm just like, whatever, man, I'm just enjoying the good weather. Like, right. I, I don't, I just like being out there. Yep. See, I think that way when I'm playing golf. Now, if I was a professional baseball player thinking that I'd have a hell of a day as well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. I know the other guys do too um thanks for sharing some of your story with us um you know i i wanted to get into this a lot of the people that listen to us are in indiana southern indiana so you know little publicity for you man uh like i said appreciate Appreciate you coming on yeah yeah thank you guys for having me like i enjoyed it i love spreading the word it's it's a weird game that unfortunately not a lot of people get to get to have the experience but if I can give a little insight, that's always fun. Oh, I love it. And uh, obviously, we'll continue to follow your journey um, whenever baseball resumes. So uh, we'll talk soon, man. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yep.